everyone, I'm Cheryl McNeil Fisher. Dr. Kathy King and I want you to know you are important to us. We are thrilled that you're here with us today for another episode of Writing Works Wonders. Welcome to Writing Works Wonders. We're so pleased you're with us for this landmark event. We'll be taking you on some time travel today and know you'll enjoy this popular episode from the Writing Works Wonders Vault of Spotlight Spectaculars. This was our first Writing Works Wonders open mic event, and it highlighted poetry as the genre. And just for our listeners' pleasure, we have remastered and edited the recording to make it even better than before. We know you will revel in the original talent celebrated in this recording. So pour yourself a glass of your favorite beverage, lean back in a comfortable spot as the Writing Works Wonders virtual travel machine transports you back to the June 2021 Poetry Open Mic Celebration of Talent. This is an exciting day, isn't it? Sure We've is. been waiting for this, our inaugural open mic poetry reading. We've been sending the word out far and wide that Writing Works Wonders was holding an open mic for poetry, and people have responded. So we're very excited to begin our poetry reading. Welcome to everybody. We have a good group gathered together to celebrate poetry today. And our first person to share poetry is somebody well-known to Writing Works Wonders, Abby Johnson-Taylor. And then we have Zeeb. And then we have J.L. Espinal. I'm Abby Johnson-Taylor, and I would like to share three poems with you today. The first one is what you might call percussive poetry. And I don't know if you'll hear the foot stomping involved in this, but I hope you do. This is called Dad, Fats, and Me. As the piano's bass notes imitate baby elephant patter, I stomp my six-year-old feet in time. In his armchair across from me, Dad looks up from his book, chuckles. As Fats Waller sings no praises to a woman's oversized feet, I stand, stomp around the den. Up in Harlem, at a table for two, there were three of us, me, your big feet, and you. Dad sings along, where'd you get them? I giggle. As the song crescendos with blaring saxophone and trumpet, I lift my feet, bring them to the floor with purpose. Come on and walk that thing. Oh, mercy, I've never heard of such walking. Mercy. The record has other songs. The joint is jumping. It's really jumping. Come in, cat, and check your hat. I say this joint is jumping. Hold tight. Hold tight. Hold tight. Hold tight. Brakataka wants some seafood, mama. Or but, but my little feet always stomp in time. Whenever I hear fats say, oh, your feet's too big. Don't want you because your feet's too big. Can't use you because your feet's too big. I really hate you because your feet's too big. And the next poem I'd like to share is called Cribbage 1971. Nine in a crib. Oh boy, Grammy says, gazing at her hand. You wouldn't know a crib from a rattlesnake, Granddad quips. Now, sir, I've raised three children. I should know what a crib is. In the summer morning heat, they sit at their kitchen table, deal, shuffle, count, peg. My 10-year-old brain doesn't understand the game, but mesmerized, I watch as they play, banter, play some more. Years have passed since those Colorado summer mornings. Grammy and Granddad are both gone. They smile down on my family and me from their cribbage table in the sky. And the last poem I'll share with you today is called, I'm a Star. At the age of 13, I stand on the front porch 
a piece of wood to my lips. Sing while my brother goes rat-a-tat-tat on empty paint can. Please, Mr. Please, don't play B-17. It was his song, it was his song, but it's over. The air rings with applause. You light up my life. You give me hope to carry on. More applause. I'd rather be a sparrow than a snail. Yes, I would. If I could, I surely would. The crowd is on its feet. With a bow, I take my leave. Thank you. Thank you, Abby. Thank you. (laughs) You're welcome. Thank you. My name is Zeb, and I'm going to read three poems. The first one is called Wedge. They tell me I'm lucky. I have a window. And out that window, behind the wall of the adjacent building, under the hang of the eave, I can see a wedge of sky. I remember hearing the story of the birdman of Alcatraz who kept his sanity by feeding a bird. Or the Jew cramped for years in a tiny dark crawl space who held on by befriending a rat. And so it is with me. I cling to my wedge of sky, the lavender of daybreak, the blue or gray of noonday, a flash of orange at sunset, and the night, ha, the night. I can see God out there among the pinpricks of light. Somehow that great being has squeezed himself in all his entirety into that small dark wedge. He talks to me when no one else will. And through that wedge of light and dark, I live. This is called Cookie Fortune. You say the cookies give you guidance. You say that when you got the one that said a great adventure lies before you, You booked a trip to an exotic land. When you got great wealth will be yours, you bought tech stocks and pharmaceuticals. The one that read your romantic life will be bright got you dating again, and now you're two years into wedded bliss. Who is operating here? Who pulls the strings? Would you have done anything without those pithy prognostications? How did you know that love comes from unexpected sources meant you should get them a caw? Or... Wisdom as the reward of discipline meant that you should start a meditation practice. It's crazy to rely on mass-produced platitudes to direct your life, yet you say nothing is random. The messages you get are clear and clearly meant for you. Surely this is preposterous. Like when you got love given is love amplified, you quit your corporate job and started working for that nonprofit. You say you've never been happier, but really... Surely you must see this is no way to run a life, to take your decisions from cookies. You must become the master of your destiny, the captain of your ship. You can't do 180 turns like you did when you left your rent-controlled apartment to buy a house in the country just because you got a fortune that said man's happiness grows from plants. Or become pregnant when you got a cookie that said a prosperous future depends on today's dependence. When I tell you my objections, you shrug. When I point out the dangers of basing your life on chance, you chuckle. And when you got the one that said, an associate does not have your best interest at heart, you cut me out of your life. This last one is called Enough All This Worrying. Enough all this worrying. We are past the point of no return. The oceans are filled with trash. The rivers stink with industrial waste. How many deaths in Flint or Botswana? Enough all this worrying. A hundred species each day flee the planet forever. Perhaps they know when the going is good. As for you and me, we watch wrenched with anguish at the sight of a polar bear drowning. So we dutifully recycle and reuse, earnestly believing our efforts will close the ozone hole or save the rainforest. Enough all this worrying. Nero was cast as a heartless despot, fiddling while Rome was ablaze. But what really could he have done? Why not fiddle and play while the earth implodes? Did we think our marches and petitions would stop Nestle or Exxon or Monsanto? 
Come, play with me. Let us picnic on the reclaimed landfill. Enjoy the small smog-filtered sun and toxic breezes. Come play, my love. Come play. Enough, all this worrying. It's called acceptance, existence. Come to me and take my outstretched hands. Let me know you are there. Let me know of your warm existence. Open my hands and unfurl my fingers. Please let my thoughts flow like um, trapped sand from within them. And I will share that is what is in me. Let our thoughts connect like the ocean's beautiful waves back and forth back and forth, always flowing in harmonious beauty. But you turn your back on me and you say you can't do it. But it's really because you won't. And I understand. You don't understand. And you won't try. Because I'm not enough for you. Your hands are clenched and fisted and hidden where I can't find them. So your mind is closed to me. I don't know you are there. A cold existence in a world of cold existences. It's really, truly okay. Because there's always another, another warmth, willing to unfurl my clenched fingers to get the thoughts from within them. Willing to let the ocean flow back and forth, back and forth letting me know of their existence, letting me know that I am enough, that they understand that the only way I can survive is to feel their warmth in a world of cold existences. Thank you. Okay, next we have Cache Wells, Antiopetta, Marlene Misat. This is Cache, and the first one that I'll be reading is I Am More. So often, from day to day, like a cold winter's breeze or alone on a hot summer's day, we sit and we wonder, do we really matter? Or is it just something that they seem to say? Like fallen leaves in October, we are a large community of all various abilities, yet instead of seeing us for who we really are, They only see us for what we're missing. Clear skies, green grass, and bright lights of great visions that seem to replay themselves in our heads because we remember from yesterday or from what we've just imagined them to be. No one ever asks or thinks to consider all the many great things that we can do, all because their eyes are fixed on that in which they think we can't. However, I say to myself continually, it's their loss and not mine, I say. I'm more than my eyes. I'm more than that of which I lack, you see. We are an active and vibrant group of individuals just able differently, set on a course to show the world that we are still a valuable entity, a family full of energy that Advocates, teach, write, sing, dance, and even bowl from time to time, you see. From fishing to swimming, debating and reading all about humanity as we take the steps to advocate for blindness and that of the white cane safety. It's one thing to be bound by ignorant thinking of people or anything that keeps you from being restricted. However, it's another to allow it to restrict you from living your best life. Every day, we choose to rise up, not from a stance of what we are not able to do, but rising to be our better self, however it may look or be for you. Helping others to get a glimpse of the many abilities that we as a blind, visually impaired, or low vision person can accomplish when we are looked upon as individuals with many abilities to do for ourselves with independence and self-reliance, we, we, yes, we, we win. And advocacy always, always win. 
The second one that I will read is called Chosen. They say everybody has a choice, the right to choose, act, or decide between two possibilities, the God-given birthright to say yes or no, I will or I won't, to do or to don't. We are so accustomed to celebrating the choices that seem to be ones that move us forward and put us on a path anew for you and me. It's the new ending. Each choice has a consequence and will spring forth a life of its own. You can even choose to see the beauty of hope of life and of prosperity. Many choices. You can choose to see the good and bad of a person, their worth, their value, of the work you do or don't see. Yet no one ever asks what happens when blindness has chosen. I say chosen you. That's the story of my life. The next poem that I will read is called Remembering Me. This one is a more personal one for me because it reminds me that even without vision, I still have the sight to remember who I am and what I look like. Remembering me. From the high rise of each brow to the slightest curve of my lips, the sheen and glow of that melanin that illuminates the soul. For I'm not just two brown vessels of light from which we used to see, but I'm a total package of life, love, and laughter. Yes, that's me. Diminished down to an inability, one of not my own choosing, all while facing a battle that seems I am yet losing. Losing control of what happens and the rate at which it wins. Trying so hard to hold on to that in which we think we can't depend. Yes, remembering me, the person I once was and whom I am always evolving to be. Not just identified by those two vessels of light which causes us to see. I am more than that if you're open enough to believe. Not everything is actually what is before you or that in which you perceive, for I am remembering me. Beautiful and smart, creative and yet confident, a human being, but most importantly, a loving soul with an open heart, guarded because of the very woes in this life is brought, however, very transparent to share all she's learned which includes some things she is and some things she's not. Standing in confidence that everything her experiences have taught, you see, she is remembering me. Full of hope and desire, piercing out into the abyss of life like fire, running circles in their space like sweet kisses all among my face. It's not about how much time you have here on this earth, but instead what you yield of yourself from the days of your birth, impacting others through the mindset that nothing will stop you. This was God's gift to me. And even in the midst of challenges, he assured me that I wasn't through having more life to give of myself and more life to give before death, never giving way to anything that comes to hinder me and not to focus on anything that has been taken from me, remembering me, to intentionally be ever-present in every moment, in every minute, on every day, for this is my purpose. His ultimate plan that I can agree, remembering me more than the brown skin that catches attention around every bend, greater than the sexiness of this temple which I live in, more valuable, yes, more than the pleasures of these lips, hips, and tips can bring. Walking in the confidence not in which came from any ability to see, just living my truth to be uniquely me, standing face to face with the mirror, remembering me, remembering me, poem. Thank you so much, Catherine. And Chepeda? I'll be reading three poems. The first one is titled, Cat and Dog. You placed a friend below the frost to join another recent loss. They share a marker and a space. 
in your heart that no other can replace. One was rescued, her spirit defined by her family, both human and animal kind. When you needed comfort, she became the first one to ease your pain. Then came the golden boy, a wriggling, fluffy pup of absolute joy. His bloodline cost a leg and a hand, but when he pranced, he looked just grand. His light reddish coat matched your hair. You made an attractive pair. Just knowing he was there waiting for you made a tough day easier to get through. Cat and canine, named Amber and Einstein, cherished, remembered, missed. It's dedicated to my sister's family and their animals. Second poem is a haiku, and technically haiku don't need to be titled, but this one's called Pooh Haiku. Brown nuggets drop from dog to snow, hidden in white, lost until spring thaw. The end. My third poem is called In Those Dark Moments. In those dark moments, when eyesight doesn't matter, where light burns and stars stay undiscovered, the grip of the handle eases the panic like a mother's hand. Warm nose finds the way down the hall, up the stairs, into the store. Like the familiar sounds of morning, the light click of toenails on tile floor reassures. I grip the handle and follow. The soft jingle of leather and brass and faint canine scent conveys that in those darkest moments, I am not alone. Thank you for reading. This is Marlene Massat. I have three poems about dogs. Dare I forget to mention that all dogs love attention. They will step on your toes and nip at your nose. They will lick at your hand and sit where you stand. They will sit on your foot and give you that look. They will swipe with a paw and leave you in awe with a swat of their tails as they walk clicking their nails. They will give you a nudge, try to get you to budge. They will sit thumping tails until you give in to what ails. They will get in your way and get you to say, leave me alone, go away, until they get their own way. Poor pet, limerick. Feelings that I could not hide, knew I had to go outside, pacing on the floor, scratching at the door. Maybe I should run and hide. Silent communication, ballad. I got up to go to the kitchen. My dog shadowed me as if on a mission. I shuffled to the refrigerator door, all the while eyeing his dishes on the floor. His big head watched every move, as from the refrigerator I took out food. Left over lasagna in the microwave to cook, his big eyes gave me that look. I pointed toward his kibble in the corner where it sat. He glanced over, and then he turned back. His nostrils widened as he took a breath to inhale the tantalizing aroma of my meal without fail. Sit here and be good, is what I said. As I shuffled to the table while patting his head, he whined a little as I sat myself down, so I turned my head to have a look around. I sighed, stood, and approached his bowl. His food dish was full, but water was not cold. Picking up the bowl, I headed to the sink. He cocked his head as if trying to think. I ran cold water and let it run free. I rinsed and filled his bowl with ease. Happily now, he trotted by my side. Back at the table, 
I listened to his slurping and sighed. Thank you very much. Thank you. What great readings we've had. Our next three readers are Barbara Willett, Christine Diaz, and Nancy Davis. It's actually four haiku, but together they're a little anthology, an ode to Frankie, the puppy that my husband and I just raised. It's called Color Me Guide Dog. Ebony lover, lively wiggling charmer, settles down to please. Taste crazed rosebud tongue, wet, warm, sensing sponge, kissing addicted. Glistening silver, powerful sinew and grace, dance to kibble beat, faithful guide, sharing journey's freedom through watchful golden eyes. Thank you. Thank you, Barbara. Christine? Okay, the first one I'm going to read is called The Day I Heard the Church Bells Ring. The day I heard the church bells ring, my heart, it jumped for joy. For on that day, I knew that there would be love for every girl and boy. The day I heard the church bells ring, a smile spread across my face. As I stood there in deep thought, I could feel the Lord's warm embrace. The day I heard the church bells ring, my soul sang with delight. A peaceful calm came over me, and then I saw the light. The day I heard the church bells ring, I said, My Lord, take everything. Please give me peace and happiness bring. The day I heard the church bells ring. Next poem is By the Sound of Your Voice. By the sound of your voice, you choose to lead me through life's path. You know the way, always keeping me by your side and never letting me go astray. If by chance I stray from you and it seems I've lost my way, you are there to call me back when I am alone and to you I pray. You are there to call me back when I am alone and to you I pray. You bring me to those who need your love and your warm embrace. Through me, you have shown them care and helped them find their place. By the sound of your voice, I sing of your love. I write of it and also I pray that you will lead me closer to you in your loving arms. I want to stay. That's it. Thank you. Happy to be here. I hail from Los Gatos, California, which is near San Jose. I'm reading one poem about attachment and how when people or things become lost, you're freed from attachment, albeit not by choice. And in that is new life, rebirth, a fresh clean slate and creativity. Finders keepers, losers weepers. When I weep, I find things more precious, not the shiny kind. Finders keepers, losers weepers, rather weep than own the kind of thing that makes me feel alone. Finders keepers, losers, weepers need to weep sometimes because everything cannot be kept. What's lost, you may not find. Finders keepers, losers, weepers is all right with me. Weeping cleans my eyes so I can finally see. Thank you. Mary Highland, Valerie Rice Lerman, Okay, this is Mary, and the title of the first of two poems is Peace. To breathe in air that is light and clean, free from the burdens of guilt. To leave behind the anguish of what has been, and not to worry about what is next, to feel the coolness of quiet, and the warmth of acceptance. To be a note in a harmonious chord. To sing in solitary joy. To look deep and deeper into the blueness of sky, seeing God for the first time, discovering truth like a treasure. And knowing 
It is forever. The second is, it is a 91-word memoir, and it's titled, My Mother Lives. I frowned at the plaque, mirror, mirror on the wall. I am my mother after all. Not so funny anymore. Now that she's old and cranky and mad at the world, is that what I will become? Would I forget the loving and the laughter? Yesterday, as I cleared the plates from a light lunch, I heard myself quoting my younger mother. That's the last big meal I'm cooking today. Yes, now and then, I will remember the funny things she said. I smiled. It felt good. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for letting me participate. (laughs) Yeah, we're glad you're here, Mary. This is Annie. I am here. There you go. Hello, Miss Annie. Hi, it's lovely to be here. So I have three that I'm going to share. Way that it's going to make sense. It's This one's going to be a little then and now. So I'm first going to read True Love by Judith Bjorst. And then I will follow it up with my response, my take on the true love concept. It is true love because I put on eyeliner and a concerto and make pungent observations about the great issues of the day, even when there's no one else but him. And because I do not resent watching the Green Bay Packers, even though I am philosophically opposed to football. And because when he is late for dinner, and I know he must be either having an affair or lying dead in the middle of the street, I always hope he's dead. It's true love because if he said, quit drinking martinis, but I kept drinking them, and the next morning I couldn't get out of bed, he wouldn't tell me he told me. And because he is willing to wear under-ironed undershorts out of respect for the fact that I am philosophically opposed to ironing. And because if his mother was drowning and I was drowning, he had to choose one of us to save, he says he'd save me. It's true love because when he went to San Francisco on business, while I had to stay home with the painters and the exterminator and the baby who was getting the chicken pox, he understood why I hated him. And because when I said that playing the stock market was juvenile and irresponsible and the stock that I wouldn't let him buy went up 26 points, I understood why he hated me. And because despite cigarette cough, tooth decay, acid in digestion, dandruff, and other features of married life that tend to dampen the fires of passion, we still feel something we can call true love. So that was True Love by Judith Fjorst. And now here is my true love. And for the record, this is my husband's 50th birthday. And next week we are celebrating our five-year wedding anniversary. So how timely. It is true love because neither one of us can see each other. And consequently, we don't concern ourselves with what we look like. So I could be wearing my oldest, most worn down jeans and t-shirt. My hair is messy as an old rag mop, like the old song. And he'd still think I'm beautiful. And he could be walking wildly in his underwear. His face is rough as sandpaper or dressed in an old polo shirt from high school. I'd still think he's beautiful. It's true love because I can be up at 6 a.m. singing songs that are stuck in my head, even though I know he'd rather sleep in. And even though he'd rather I be quiet, he'd leave it alone rather than try to shut me up and spoil my good spirits. It is true love because I always look forward to watching the Ohio State-Michigan game once a year, even though I am not a fan of football. And because he can listen to the Spice Girls with a sincere smile, even though he is neither a fan of them nor much of the opera and theater music I play on my Pandora, but he knows I am. And because I can eat my chicken sausages and he can eat his beef sausages, and although our tastes are somewhat different, we still have a romantic dinner. It's true love because we don't try to change each other. We just work hard at changing ourselves. 
And even after five long years of married life, and uh, he's still the reason I say ain't love grand. Yeah, finally, I have the peach poem. And this happens to be one of my mom's favorite poems I've ever written. Howdy, partners in his eye, the pretty peach, pristine and perfectly polished, fresh from Georgia. So you say I am soft and smooth as a sweet baby's head? How profoundly perceptive. Perhaps you perceive me as more precious than a plum, possibly purer than a pear? Isn't that just peachy, you proclaim. What a pair we are. So you say there's a song pretty popular in 1996, and I'm showing my age, performed by the presidents of the United States. How preposterous. Moving to the country, gonna eat a lot of peaches. I find that a fairly flattering phrase. But I do not come from a can like those that were put there by a man in a factory downtown. For shame. My purpose is to provide pleasure for your palate, pureness to your pie, and deliciousness to the other decadent desserts in which you wish to indulge. This I could not do if I came from a can, as a canned peach can't compare to me. I am the peach, the brightest and most beautiful of the bunch. On this you can bet your banana. So I am flattered that you've chosen me to fulfill your fruitful fix. And now we must part, and until we meet again... May your life be perfectly peachy. Thank you. Deanna Noriega. I wanted to read a poem called Acceptance. I have three poems. See me, open your eyes and really look. I was the child sitting alone on the stairs while other children played a ball game in the yard. Because I couldn't see to play, I learned to love books. I was the young girl who washed her hair on Friday nights because the boys who carried my heavy braille books at school never guessed I loved to dance and go to movies. I was the young woman holding my newborn infant with my heart full of wonder and joy while nurses talked about me as if I weren't there, speculating about how I could ever care for that child. I was the young mother sitting alone in the school cafeteria because the teacher didn't expect me to come to the mother's lunch and assigned my child to serve behind the counter. I tell you these things because I want you to understand I am not a disability. I'm a person like you. I laugh, I cry, I sing and dance. I cherish my friends and family. I want to be a part of my community and world. I don't need your pity. Only ask your acceptance. I only need you to open your eyes and see me, not as a dysfunction, but as a person, a human being like you. My next poem is one of my favorite ones about my guide dogs. It's about the when you have finally meshed with your new dog and everything is going right and you communicate wordlessly. It's called Dancers. We are cloud dancers. You lead and I follow. Our steps synchronized. Our bodies swaying to the same rhythm. We are swept along in the current of the jet stream, floating lightly on the swell of an updraft, swooping into a glide down the slope of a downdraft, side-slipping around a gaggle of migrating geese. Pausing a few beats to let a thunderhead rumble past. Through fog and mist, through falling snow, we whirl. Our movements in perfect unison, where your paws lead, my feet follow. What does it matter if only we two hear the music? We move together as one being. We are cloud dancers, you and I. That was a poem I wrote on the 16th block to visit my dentist. My final poem today is one I wrote for my mother this Mother's Day. She is in early senile dementia and often loses her words, but I write her a lot of poetry. I usually write her one every year for her Mother's Day gift. I wrote this one in more simple terms and with less wording because of her condition, and she did understand. 
and she laughed and she cried and she said she loved her little girl. <laughs> so this one is, hey, mama. Hey, mama, I wanted to tell you I love you today. I loved you yesterday and I will love you all of my tomorrows. Hey, mama, you sang my first music. You taught me to laugh, to stand up for myself when I thought all I could do was to cry. Hey, Mama, it's our shared special day. What I know about being a mama, I learned by being your own firstborn daughter. Hey, Mama, I love you. Thank you, Deanna. Thank you. That's beautiful. Hi there. This is Tony. And Deanna, that was absolutely beautiful. I love that poem. I'm at my friend Patty's house. I'm going to let Patty go first. Yes. Hi. Um, I'm going to read a poem by Doug Nash, who wrote extensively and passed away early this year suddenly. This poem is called Window Existence. I can't do all I want to do in the time that I have here. I'll never know all that I reach to know because it never comes down all clear. All I know is what's been shown through the glass of my mind's tint tone, what I've felt, seen, done, and sown to this one small seed alone, special wind, soil, sun alone in its uniqueness has it grown. A certain wind puffed felt by me, others perhaps didn't see when a cloud came over me, what to be was what to be and breathings of eternity were wafted to me secretly, though no one else could feel my key. The meaning brought was brought to be. Awareness, desire, place, time, angle, proportion, capacity. In the inaccuracy of an eye so blind, words reach out and cannot find. Detrimental bind, bind, bind. Encounters and of the mocking reason, changed by mood and change of season, intersects and trails, worm, and timeless is the turn, though mind and reason yearn, they but describe and never learn. When the meaning finds true grasp, it transcends future, transcends past. Eternity speaks of time as all time together. Time and space, thought too, are one. Safety lies with you forever and ever and ever and before. No door just found parts whole the myth of death death a door to life held in the holy need thank you just keeping with all the beautiful ones that people read about their dogs i'm going to read the one about my beloved terry ann's dog o'toole terry died right before covid happened she had breast cancer a recurrence I never had a dog before, guide dog, and I got one later in life, and it was the best gift she could have ever encouraged me to get. Just seeing how wonderful the team that they were, I don't know how it could have got to this crazy last year without my golden boy. So anyway, we were on a cruise, and a lot of the passengers were complimenting her, and they heard about her cancer because we traveled a lot together. And one of the people started this poem, and we just kind of created it together when she heard about Terry's cancer and O'Toole was very gray at that point. So it was obvious that he was getting close to retiring. So anyway, here we go. The ebbing and flowing of the tides. It's a ceaseless rhythm, a rhythm that marks this passage of time, a passage of time that we can never have back again. We are helpless against this thief and in this moment, time just slips away. I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry, but I have grown old. I never wanted this, and I never could stop it. In my heart, I always knew this time would come. And in this moment, my heart cries out. Cries out to you. Cries out. And thanks for all that you gave me. You gave me a gift, a beautiful gift, for I would become your eyes. And with this gift, I would always walk by your side. I protected you 
and helps you navigate the obstacles in your pathway. That was my job. And in a way, we became one. Every time you grasped the handle of my harness, I led the beautiful dance, and you followed placing your full trust in me. Oh, how I loved our adventures, big and small. The best dance partner I ever had, and we were a team that everyone marveled at. You being the beautiful lady in blue, and me, your golden boy. You never questioned my judgment. You believed in me. You trusted me. You made sure that all of my needs were taken care of. You played with me and put up with my silliness. I appreciated that. All of these are gifts that only you, only you could give to me. I will miss being your guide, retiring because I have grown old. Another will one day walk by your side. In this moment, my big brown eyes shed a tear for us. Shed a tear as I so thank you once again. Thank you once again for allowing me to be your eyes. Thank you for doing this. This was really oh. beautiful. Yeah. I have one more, and I'm not sure how this will go because I just did this one and haven't had a chance to go through this. Cindy, as uh, I think most of you know, sets up the calls for the week. She does this coffee hour, and she started doing this coffee hour where she puts a few people in rooms together, and so you can have more intimate conversations. And it was usually four people, and then last week she did two people. So I was in a room with this person, and we started talking about things, and of course the pandemic came up. And this was a person's point of view on the pandemic and how she felt about the end of the pandemic. So it goes... Thank you, online world. For the first time in my life, I felt free of judgment. For the first time, I could be totally anonymous in terms of my appearance and my blindness. It was so liberating when engaging in discussions in, on Zoom or in Clubhouse that the conversation didn't get derailed to something related to my disability. People were making decisions about me because of my knowledge, my competency, and my personality. As a blind person, we cannot hide who we are. If it's a restaurant, classroom, the workplace, or even a local church, we don't go unnoticed. At some point, I will sadly begin reminiscing about the days when people addressed me rather than my companion. Oh, the glories of being anonymous. I will miss the ease of DoorDash and not suffering the embarrassment of having the server ask my friend what I wanted to eat. I will miss those days when I could enter in spirited discussion and not have someone mention how intelligent I was in spite of not being able to see. Zoom, DoorDash, Instacart, and the new kid on the block, Clubhouse, I will miss you. Or maybe I should say thank you for the break. Perhaps it will be different this time. That was her story and she's sticking to it. Ah, and that's great. Thank you. And hopefully this is all going to keep on going. But oh, boy. Ouch. Yeah, that's we powerful. get it. Yeah. Yeah. Very powerful. I'm Valerie. Hi, Valerie. This first one I'm going to read is called Braille and Talking Book Library Reader Advisor. I worked at the California State Library Braille and Talking Book Library for over 35 years. And I wrote this a couple years ago when I was still working as a retired new editor. My caseload for years was 3,000. Now as a retired annuitant, I'm half-time. I've blossomed. Firing up Zoom text 9 magnification. I take calls, emails, or visits, whatever your persuasion. My title, author, subject, research, manipulating computer for service options that best serve. You can call if you're lonely or had a drink or two. It's okay. 
a good book on the way will cure whatever ails you. Most disabilities we serve. In Northern California, if you can't read it, audio and braille books to loan on doors. For those who want a kick, you can go high tech, braille and audio reading download to an Android, iPhone, or tablet. Calls and letters of thanks collected over time. Employed there 35 years, and I'm legally blind. The second poem I'm going to read is called Ride the Wind. It's a prose poem. She likes to run free. She doesn't pay heed to others' decrees. She strides through the, through the brambles. She climbs towards the sky. The vistas are one, the vistas are wondrous, but gone by and by. She again touches down on valley and plain. She still runs with the wind till she climbs once again. She won't be cajoled or corralled. Her gait never falters. She is strong and sure of stride. She feels the wind through her hair and the, warm, and the sun warm and bright by her side. She's as free as the wind. She strides for the joy of being. Her name is Hope. She looks forward, never back. A life of her own making is surely that. And the third one I'm going to read is Challenge and Triumph. What you're given, turn it around. Take another look. What else can be found? Create something new. Don't cling to the past. You're born to create. Intelligence, your path. What you're given, only a start. You can transcend if you invite the spark. Thank you. Thank you. And then we'll go to Annie. Thank you. Most of the things that I've written have been written. I'm part of a writer's group, and these were writing prompts that got me to write these things. And this one, the writing prompt was to write about a comfort food. And optionally was to have each sentence begin sequentially with a letter of the alphabet. I don't know if you'll be able to hear A, B, C, D, but that's what the way this poem is constructed. A bagel. Bagels, yeah. Can't get any better than that. Don't nobody in our neighborhood know nothing about bagels. Egg bagels, water bagels, pumpernickel bagels. Fantastic food unheard of in our suburbs. Good bread stuffs my mother would drive an hour each way for. Halfway across Los Angeles, she'd go to the bakeries on Fairfax Avenue. I was unaware the other households in our neighborhood didn't eat this food. Jewish food it was. Killers of Christ, she knew well we shouldn't advertise our ethnicity. Lovingly, she would lay out this clandestine Jewish feast on the breakfast table, muddled with defiance and shame. None of our neighbors suspected. Only she and my father knew they'd secretly bought into a development with a covenant that straight, stated no Jews or Negroes allowed. Philipson, a nondescript last name, obscured our identity. Questions never arose. Rough and tumble play with the other neighbor kids, we never guessed we might be shunned for what ran in our blood. So we went on blithely unaware, trusting the good white middle-class world of doctors and engineers who went to work while their wives stayed home to clean. Until one day, with a sleepover guest at the breakfast table, I asked for a bagel. Veronica asked questions and went home to tell her mother. We were ostracized. Xenophobia rippled through the neighborhood, yelling out windows as we walked to the school bus. Zanzibar could not have felt more foreign than the streets I once played in. Thank you. Wow. Thank you. Wow, I, I sure hate to follow that, especially since I'm following it up with limericks. They're fresh hot off the press. I wrote them on Limerick Day, which was May 12th. I'm going to read my top three. There was an old woman named Joan who hated to talk on the phone. She'd yank on the cord and shout, good Lord, whenever she heard that dial tone. And there once was a man named Fred who specialized in baking bread. Until one day he tried to make salt rye, the oven was bare, so he looked everywhere to find the dough under his bed. 
And last but not least, a crazy limerick with a serious message. For the record, this is not based on a true story. At a night at the opera one year, a soprano drank way too much beer. As she waltzed on the stage, she was quite disengaged. She let out a loud shriek, which made the audience grow weak as she tore down the chandeliers. Thank you. Hey, Annie. Thank you. <laughs> the only limerick I've ever written was one when I was ready to throw my cell phone out the window. Um, my employer had gotten a cell phone for me because I was a legislative liaison and they wanted to be able to communicate with me when I was out of the office. So I was trying to teach myself how to use it with a book. <laughs> oh my goodness. And this was the result. In my smartphone, the dumb blonde named Siri, her antics can make me feel weary. My humble request, she treats as mere jests and keeps me double tap tapping till teary. Well, it's and brilliant nonetheless. Yes, this is Julie Russell. Where are you from, Julie? Columbus, Ohio. Terrific. Gone but not forgotten. A gentle soul, precious and small, didn't make it after all. A small stone with a name leads us to wonder why you didn't live long enough for us to say goodbye. You lived underneath a joyous heart. Their hopes and dreams came true. Now sadness fills their broken heart, the pain of losing you. Now life goes on, it's easy to say, but there will always be regret. For a tiny soul, no memories made, was too loved to forget. Thank you. That was sweet. Very nice. A plea to time. Slow down, O oh time. Too fast you go. I cannot match your, match your hurried pace. You grip my hand in yours and will not let me lag behind, but force me ever onward, ruthlessly permitting me no chance to catch my failing breath, nor to retard the rapid beating of my heart. I have not lived nor loved enough, nor laughed nor wept nor worked enough, nor played nor danced nor sang enough. Yet faster by the hour you go, slow down, O oh time, I beg of you, of this my day of life. I yet may spend each second that remains to me more wisely than before, if you will give me of yourself a little more. Responding to my plea, slow down, O oh time, slow down. That's by Edmund A. Fleischer. Thank you. Great. Lovely poem. This is Nancy B. Davis, poem number two. We won the lottery, got Yosemite, cats, dogs, flowers, trees, if only we could know. What if we hadn't been here with water, life, and air, but instead with rocks, nothing green, where it really was like we make it seem, an empty place with no color, no human race. But we have air and human touch. We're not rocks on the moon knocking on heaven's door. We live on the heavenly planet Earth. Isn't that something to be thankful for? Thank you. Beautiful. I've got one that I'd like to share before we close. It's called A Gathering Place of Many Hearts. Terrific. We stand here together in the heart of a nation whose people have come from many far places. The first to arrive Oh boy, I blew that one. The first to come arrived on foot on a land bridge. They came seeking a brighter future for their children. How could it not be so? This land is a gathering place of many hearts. Our past can be read on our skins and faces. It shapes our beliefs and colors our attitudes. We must learn to accept and understand one another. How could it not be so? We are a nation of immigrants and seekers. We must acknowledge our shared humanity and open our minds and hearts to one another. For we are the children of this earth under one sky. How could it not be so? Thank Excellent. You. Thank you, Diana. This has just been beautiful. Really so thanks, everybody, for participating today. Thank you for being here with us. Thank you for those of you who are listening in. So let's all get together next week.
Thank you for all for being with us today. Be sure to visit our website at writingworkswonders.com. You'll be able to access the show notes and information about our poetry readers mentioned in this episode, the recording and an archive of all episodes and writing resources as well. Thank you for joining us today on Writing Works Wonders. Kathy and I are thrilled to spend time with you. A tap on that button that says subscribe so you will not miss our show. You can also tap on the link for writingworkswonders.com. It'll take you directly to all the show notes and information that we shared today. Then you can sign up to receive the Zoom link so that you can be live with us when we are recording. You can also contact us at info at writingworkswonders.com. Our phone number is 347-467-0221. We also have a donate button. All donations go to technical expenses that Kathy and I incur in order to keep this podcast going. Kathy and I want you to feel encouraged and inspired and know the wonder in writing. And until next time, our friends, keep on writing. Opinions expressed on ACB Media are those of the respective program contributors and do not necessarily reflect the views held by the American Council of the Blind, its elected officials, or its staff.